0: Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. And today we are joined by our fabulous co-host, Deanna Shoss of Intercultural Talk. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Margot. How are you? I am well. And for those of you who aren't aware, Deanna is our marketing guru. So fabulous to have you here. And Chris Pertel, our producer, thank you for all of your work, as always. So Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is a really hot one in the world of private practice, actually, group practice. It is how to attract and hire and keep good therapists on your team. So, yay. <laughs> this is a biggie. And I'll tell you, Deanna, I look on these listservs, you know, there are therapist listservs, they're local and national. And I read these horror stories of people who have interviewed people, made an offer, thought they were bringing them onto their team, and the other person says, you know, the hiree says, no, I found another better offer, essentially, and off they go. Or they've hired somebody, and they're on their team for a brief amount of time. They get them credentialed. They get them up and running. They fill up their caseload. The new therapist does, and the new therapist takes off with their new caseload. I mean, there's just, or just a bunch of shenanigans. So this is a really important topic, or I talk to therapists who are having such a hard time finding people at all. Like they put an ad out on Indeed, and there is a whole lot of nothing, just crickets. So this is what folks were going to talk about today. What can we do with this? So Deanna, initial thoughts?
1: While this is not, you know, comforting at all. This this problem right now is not unique to the mental health industry. Yeah. We've all heard about the great resignation. I think with things going on in the world, on the one hand, people are evaluating what they get out of work and people are trying to align their work with their values. So they're being more selective about work, but also, and again, not comforting, everybody's looking for people right now. Mm-hmm. And so the competition is really is really tight. So what that means, which we're looking at is how do businesses help themselves stand out as a better employer than other people, knowing that this is a tough
0: market to find good people? Yeah, absolutely. And this for the the folks for whom I provide consultation, this is a topic we discuss almost every single time we meet is how do they make this happen? So let's dig in and talk both about what are some of the trends that we're seeing, just recruitment trends, and also what are some of the things that we're seeing in the world of therapists?
1: Well, why don't we start with with the remote hiring and remote working? Because right now, you're finding that people, in terms of whether they want to be in person at a physical location or remote, people have very strong opinions about that. How are you addressing that to really to meet your needs but to accommodate the interests of people that you're hiring.
0: Yeah, this conversation of do we hire in-person people, do we hire remote people, do we hire hybrid people, you know, anybody who's a little further away from one of our physical locations, we have some folks we've recently hired in Indiana, we have somebody out in California, we have somebody on the east coast, we have somebody in Florida. So, there are going to be people who are remote and from where I sit, this is a conversation I've had with practice owners. Look, lots of folks want to work remotely right now. It is way easier to find somebody who will work remotely than somebody who will work in person. Bottom line, therapists have found how cozy it is to work remotely. Fewer cancellations. I mean, I I, I could list all of these reasons, folks who are listening. You know why people prefer remote. You know, perhaps why you do. So one thing to consider is. What are your staffing needs? And do some data analysis. How many referrals are you getting for people who are willing to see someone remote? Keep numbers, keep track of that. How many people are calling in and saying that they want to work, they want to see somebody in person? This has been my suggestion. Get people who are willing to do a hybrid if you can, but it costs you really very little. As long as you have clients who will see a therapist remotely, If you don't have to pay for office space, it is a win-win. So I've really tried to work with folks to get out of this mindset of people have to be in person at some point. So just in
1: the context, we're looking at both the recruiting and the hiring. And so that focuses on the job description of what you're looking for. I'm wondering in that process, if you're hiring someone to work remotely, you've never met them and you're looking at your quality across what you do. Are there things that you're putting in place since you may never meet this person to make sure that they're delivering at the level of quality that one would expect from the Juniper Center?
0: Well, yeah, I would uh, absolutely. I mean, we I Google everybody. We do a, a search. We do we make sure we talk to references. We do what we can to get to know them as best as we can. And quite frankly, I haven't found any real difference in hiring in person than I have from hiring. Remotely, which is nobody's more stunned by that than I am. Now it's a different energy when I meet those people. We just had a staff retreat last Friday, and I met for the first time in two years some folks that I hired two years ago, and it was like old home week. It was fabulous, but their work is really good, and I think we could determine that remotely. So that part wasn't really the problem. Hiring these days is candidate driven, hiring and job finding is highly candidate driven, meaning, and Therapists who are hiring know this inside and out. It is a buyer's market right now. And for a lot of therapists, this has been tough to get their arms around. How do I adjust instead of telling you all about me? How do I try to find out what you want? And I will tell you, whenever I'm going to interview someone or we're going to hire someone, and we've gone ring around the rosy about this with our executive team about why I do that this way. I personally have a 15-minute conversation with every candidate, and the question I ask them, I ask them one question. If this were your ideal job, what would be happening? What would that look like for you? I want to know out of the gate what they're looking for, which is a very different way of hiring than, well, so tell me a little bit about yourself and let me tell you what we have to offer. That's candidate-driven. I'm looking for what they're wanting and trying to determine, do we have that? And then I flip it around and say, well, what would you like to know about me? So I try to keep in mind all the time that people can go anywhere right now. Why would they want to come to me? Now, being a practice of our size, we can make things happen, which is really nice. If I hear, for example, we, we had somebody come to us, Laura Haberer, who is a fabulous LCSW, lovely. She wanted to do psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. Yay, that's fabulous. She interviewed some other places. Some folks were thinking, well, that's kind of interesting. Some weren't. Well, what we've done is we're going to now with our psychiatrist, Richard Shapiro, we're going to have a ketamine assisted psychotherapy program. So Hiring and then seeing, well, what are you really passionate about? And can I make that happen? I'm not going to try to just squeeze you in to what I need. I'm going to listen to what you're interested in doing. That from where I sit is real engagement. That's an important mind shift because
1: many people, you know, if you called it the olden days would approach interviews from, does this person fit our culture? Does this person fit what we're doing? You're shifting it to Do we fit them? Who are they? And how does this work? What it also sounds like by asking first, which is a really great thing when you look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, the whole idea of engagement engagement right from the interview of asking someone what they want to do, it fulfills their goals for what they're looking for, for a job opportunity, but it sounds like it also is allowing you to expand your services. So what a wonderful way to approach it. Yeah,
0: it's a real, it's a twofer. (laughs) I think everybody, I love scenarios where everyone wins and I feel like that ends up being one of them. So folks thinking about hiring as being candidate driven, not just how do I attract somebody, but how do I really start to engage them out of the gate? And I think some of you have already heard this. There are other conversations about this, how important the mission and the values of the practice are and how few practices have really stopped to think about this. So my suggestion would be stop and think about this. What is your mission? AKA, and Chris took us through this great exercise a year or so ago, why do you exist? right? Why do you exist? What are you here for? Chris, do I have that right? Is that what we're looking for? You do. You do. What are you here for? And where do you want to go? And where do you want to go? And a lot of practices don't think about that. So that would be your mission. Chris, how would you describe, or Deanna, how would you describe the values piece? Your values are the lens through which you operate.
1: So the lens that you apply. So for example, at the Juniper Center, one of your values is to care for the whole person. So the, when you look at that lens at the Juniper Center, that applies everywhere, whether it's how you care for clients that are coming to see you, but it also is how you run and operate the business and how you care for your, your staff and your, your practitioners. So that would be an example of how a value serves as a lens that that goes across an organization and informs how you make decisions and deliver service.
0: Yes, exactly. And one of those things that I ask people on the front end that I never would have, I mean, I asked it, but with a different intention or or for a different reason, I ask, how much do you want to work? And this, again, is a big conversation I'm having with people for whom I'm providing consultation. I keep hearing from practice owners, these therapists, they just don't want to work so much anymore and that they're struggling with that and trying to get their therapist to work more. And um, what I say is knock that off. You need to listen to what they're telling you. If you're talking about retention in a market where people can go anywhere they want, Listen to what people are saying. You can, why can't somebody work 15 hours a week if they don't want to work 25 hours a week? I mean, there are some things that we have to consider, like if they want health insurance, they need to work a minimum of 30 hours a week. That's a regulatory issue. That's not a Margo issue or a Juniper Center issue or a state of Illinois. You know, that is a regulatory issue. Our insurance carrier requires that of us. Some require 37 and a half, some require 32 and a half. For us, it's 30. If somebody tells me that they want insurance benefits, well, then I, I have to make certain things happen. They have to work a minimum of 30 hours a week. But boy, I'll tell, and they're not all clinical hours, obviously, that would be too much. But if somebody wants to come on and they want to work 15 hours, and that I will tell you is kind of the sweet spot these days, a lot of therapists are super happy working 15 hours a week. Well, why f- try to push people to do more than that? They're telling you what they need. And again, it's because we get caught up in, well, I have this many referrals and I think this would be much more profitable and I think this would make more sense and then I don't need as many staff and we can serve more people. Great. But if we're talking about retention of people, listen to your staff about how many hours a week they want to work. That is a value. I am valuing what you're telling me. The other thing is, and Deanna, you mentioned this earlier about, you know, DEI is a real thing right now that is very important to people. And in our practice, we have had a very robust LGBTQ population in our staff and in our clients for a long time. I think we kind of cut our teeth on that, but making sure that we have a real commitment and people are therapists who are joining practices are researching the practices that they're joining. How are you taking care of people in your community? What kind of profiles of people of color or people of difference do you have on your staff? What are you doing to support people in need? Those things are really important right now. So keeping in mind that those are some values. So what are your values? What are the values you're hearing that are important to the people who are coming to interview with you.
1: Margo, what you're expressing, which is fascinating when you look at what you're expressing as what's considered a small business in the realm of of business mirrors what's happening in the world and with major corporations all the way from the UN has all these goals for sustainable equity in business. It's translating down to businesses needing to express their values, align their values because people want to work for companies where they understand and match their values. What's even more fascinating is Edelman does an annual trust pilot study. Their 2021 study said that 86% of people expect companies to help solve societal problems and 68% of people now trust business over government and other institutions. Wow. (laughs) All said that what you're saying about trying to align your values and express them clearly and attract employees to your company around that, you are a microcosm of what's being expected of business now. So, So companies can't say, that's great, but I don't have time because this will only become deeper in terms of employees really, or people looking for jobs, really wanting to make sure that that business and personal are now merged. Mm -hmm. They're not separate. They all need to align so that a person is fulfilled in all that they're doing. That's what people are expecting now. So it's wonderful what you're talking about in terms of how you're taking it a step at a time,
0: but that's what you're moving toward. Well said, Deanna. Very well said that that business and personal need to be aligned. And if they're not Candidates are going to sniff that out pretty quickly, and they're going to understand that you are not for them. So the three takeaways, I would say, and please, folks, rewind Deanna's portion of what you just said. I think that was really good. But the three main takeaways are that right now, folks, if you are trying to hire, you need to make sure that you are candidate driven and that your ads, wherever you are trying to attract people. That you are speaking to them about them, not to you, To them about you. They don't really care about you yet. That's just not a thing. So being candidate-driven. The second thing is making sure that your mission, which is why you're here, your vision, where are you going, your values, how do you want to get there, what's important, those things are clear, that you are clear about it and that you're expressing them. You're putting those out there so the candidates can see it. They don't have to dig into your ad or they don't have to hop on your website and dig through. Be really transparent about what those are. And then understanding that that personal and professional is super important to people right now, that we can't just give kind of a polite nod to DEI, the, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's not okay. That if we're going to do that, we need to make sure that we have a genuine commitment to it. Anything else you'd like to add to that, Deanna?
1: It just emphasizes what you just said, Margo, that it goes beyond just bringing people in the door. What are you doing for inclusion and engagement once
0: people are with you so that they stay? Yeah, 100%, right? Because as we see on some of these listservs, people come and then they go. And some of that is going to be inevitable. It's just the state of the world right now. But we know there are ways to help people feel really invited into your practice and like this is the place they really want to be. It so reflects them. It so reflects what they need that it is the place for them. And that's always what I'm looking to do. So folks, those are some thoughts about how to consider getting some good candidates and keeping them. It's a big topic. We might need to do more in this arena, but this is just a little sampler platter. I'm Dr. Margot Jaco, your mental health business mentor. Thanks so much for joining us today. Deanna Schoss, our marketing guru from Intercultural Talk. Thank you for joining us. Chris Pertell, our producer. Thank you, as always. So glad you could be here. We will look forward to having you with us next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening, and be well.